Welcome to the Jesus Never Ran podcast, where we focus on taking time in our lives to make a difference in this world. I'm your host, Matt Kinzera. Let's take a walk. Each day, we are reminded of the role our faith plays in our lives. But does it play a role in our finances as well? Now, for the members of Thrivent Financial, it does. For over a century, Thrivent has been helping Christians blend faith, finances, and generosity because it's not just about making more, it's about doing more for your family, your church, and community. Learn more about Thrivent's unique mission by calling Kathy Jensen, Thrivent Financial Representative at 715-231-1662. Disclosures, licensed agent, producer of Thrivent Financial, marketing name for Thrivent Financial for Lutherans, registered representative of Thrivent Investment Management Incorporated, thrivent.com slash disclosures. Hello, fellow walkers. It is great to be with you today. I am currently on tour with a great organization called Rachel's Challenge. So Jesus Never Ran is hitting the road with Rachel's Challenge to teach kids and anybody who will listen about kindness and about purpose. It is just an awesome opportunity. So I am looking out my hotel window, staring at some California mountains and palm trees right now. Uh, This is the best time of the year to actually be in the Midwest where I'm from. And for whatever reason, here I am finding myself in almost 100 degree weather in a desert. But whatever, I'm excited to be wherever God has me. Hey, last week, if you remember, we started a two-part series on things that are keeping us from making a difference in this world. So we're taking a little bit of a break from interviews, but don't worry, there's some great stories coming up ahead. So we'll get back to that next week for certain. But last week, we talked about the first thing that keeps us from going and making a difference in this world, and that's simply that if we hold a grudge, it can hold us back. And we used a story of an inmate that I used to know when I was a prison chaplain. And it was this incredible story of forgiveness. And if you haven't heard it, make sure you check out last week's podcast called Open Arms. Because that story of forgiveness gives all of us hope and all of us the strength to know that if he was able to forgive, that we certainly can forgive as well. Because so often we're carrying around that burden of unforgiveness or that grudge and and it really affects us more than anybody else and it keeps us really from being the person that we are created by God to be. The other big thing, and this is what we're going to talk about this week, the second thing that gets in the way of people accomplishing what they are put here on earth to do is that they don't feel like they're good enough. And because of that, they don't feel like they have anything to offer. Now, I'm going to change that because I believe this is a little bit universal. So all of us have a little bit of that in us. Some of us have a lot of that in us. But I know that there's times in my life where I've felt like I'm not good enough. I would actually tell you that there was a big chunk of my life when I believed that about myself. And when you don't think you're good enough, you don't have much to offer. At least that's what you feel like. It's not true, it's a total lie, but it's definitely what we feel like. Now, I'm gonna start with some of the obvious things, and then I'm gonna go into something that may not be so obvious, and then the important stuff that I'm gonna talk about 
is how we can really dig in and discover that we actually do have something to offer. And we're going to do an exercise today. And it's right out of our walking club, which is a video series helping you to get from where you are to where you want to be. So I'm giving you a little sneak peek into the walking club today, and I'm going to help you discover truly who you are meant to be and what you have to offer this world. And I'm so excited for that. But before we jump in, we really have to identify what are some of the things that cause us to feel that way, like we're not good enough. us feel like we're not good enough is similar to last week. It can be our past. Last week we talked about how hard it is to forgive ourselves. And the reality is sometimes we don't feel good enough because we feel like we failed in the past. Another thing that makes us feel like we're not good enough, and this is a big one, is our culture. Now I'm obviously speaking about our American culture, which defines what a person is supposed to these are my air quotes. I know you can't see them. What a person is supposed to be like. And it's different for men and it's different for women. You can look throughout history and see how what was culturally accepted as beautiful for a woman is far different today than it was a couple of hundred years ago. It's far different today than it was a couple of decades ago. And the same is true of men. I grew up in the 80s. And in the early 80s, just before I was coming into my teenage years, there was this, this image of the perfect man. And he was muscular and he was beefy and he wore see-through shirts that were too short for him. <laughs> it was just such an awesome time. But then the time when I was in high school was actually the early 90s. And what we saw in just a decade is we saw the image of a perfect man going from big and beefy to like slim and rock star looking. It was like the grunge era and, and skinny jeans were starting to become a thing. And, and it changed even within a decade of what we were supposed to look like. And so when we're trying to live up to an expectation that's unrealistic that our culture puts on us, it's real easy to compare ourselves to what we think perfection is supposed to look like and just feel like we don't live up to it. And the reality is nobody does. Nobody does. And even if somebody does live up to that image, you know, they don't believe that they do. It's phenomenal to me how many models have eating disorders, even though they're already so thin and so beautiful according to the world. But it's not what's on the outside that truly matters. It's what's on the inside that matters. So really, our culture and our past can speak into our feeling like we're not good enough. So those two are, I would say, fairly obvious. And you probably assumed I was going to talk about those. But there's another one that needs to be addressed today. And that is our religion can definitely make us feel like we're not good enough.
The idea that our religion can make us feel like we're not good enough. It's not a brand new thought, but I want to talk about it in maybe a different way. And as I share this, I don't want you to hear this as Matt the heretic. I don't want to look outside and see people with signs picketing in front of my house or anything like that. But I want to trace this back to around the 4th century. There was a guy by the name of St. Augustine. Now, St. Augustine did a lot of amazing things. He wrote a lot of amazing things. But he was the person that first wrote about the idea of original sin, which is this idea that because of Adam and Eve and their sin, that we all are born into this world with sin in our lives. Now, this was never really talked about before that time. Sure, you can look at the Bible and you can look at the book of Genesis in the first three chapters and you can come to that conclusion. But if you really trace that idea throughout the Bible, you won't see it threaded too clearly throughout the entire Bible. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't believe in it. I'm not saying that for a second. But I do want to say this, that after St. Augustine introduced this new theology, this idea of original sin, the narrative of Christianity took a turn. What was that turn? Well, that turn is that original sin became the forefront of our theology. Suddenly, we talked less about being children of God and more about being sinners in a broken and fallen world. Now again, I'm not saying that that's not true. I'm just saying if that's our primary narrative, it's going to cause us to think differently. Think of it like this. Basically, what that theology is telling us and is putting forward and continues to put in front of us is this idea that we're born into this world as wretched people because of nothing that we did, but something that our ancestors way, 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 way back did. So we're born and we're guilty because of something somebody else did. And because of that, we're so bad that God can't even be around us and we are so bad that God has to send his only son to die in our place. That's the narrative that's pushed forward. And that obviously is going to make us feel like we're not good enough. Now, this continues on. And if we even look at the history of religion in America, we'll see a guy by the name of John Edwards, who is a fiery preacher. And one of his famous sermons was called Sinners in the Hands of of an angry God. Sinners in the hands of an angry God and droves of people were coming to listen to him. And in the sermon, he talks about us as human beings. And he said, we're like spiders and we're like on a string. And God has the ability to hold us above the fiery flames or break that string and let us fall. I mean, that's, that is intense. And that's a narrative, it's a Christian narrative, that's a religious narrative that's going to make us feel like we're not good enough. What's the correct narrative? Well, it's to understand that there's some truth to that, but it's to not allow that to be our primary narrative. Because really our primary narrative should be that we're children of God, that we're created in his image, and that he loves us so much that he pursues us constantly and he never gives up on us. And that's a narrative that we see throughout the entire Bible. 
this idea of a God that loves us so much that he keeps pursuing us. Because in the New Testament, it says that God is love. So if God is love, it's really hard to perceive a love as being this God holding us like spiders over a, over a fiery hell. That's a narrative that's going to make us feel like we're not good enough and like we don't have anything to offer this world. I'll never forget growing up where I would sit in church and I would think, am I good enough? Have I done enough good things to get into heaven? And I would sometimes cry myself to sleep, wondering if the scales were tipped not in my favor. And when you live like that and when you think like that, it's easy to think, man, how could God love me? I'm such a mess. I've got nothing good to offer because I was born into this world a wretched sinner because of something I didn't do. But it is what it is. So God's wrath has to be held back by his son dying on a cross. That is not the narrative that's going to help us feel like we can do something positive in this world. Instead, let's put forth the narrative that we are children of God and that we're put here for a purpose and that God has gifted us uniquely and that we're to use those giftings and that confidence that we have because of Jesus to go into this world and to bring his kingdom here to earth. All right, for those of you who are gutsy enough to have stayed with me <laughs> and have not turned off the podcast yet, uh, let's jump in a little deeper now. So if we believe that we have value in this world, then we have to figure out how we're going to use that. And that's when this gets fun. Now, I'm going to walk you through a process. It's something that I've done and I've led a lot of people through it. And, uh, and it's a process of using who you are to make a difference in this world. It's so tempting to look at what other people are doing in this world and to copy it. And sometimes that's a good thing. But usually... It just makes for a bunch of people doing the same thing when really what we need is a lot of people loving Jesus and being uniquely themselves, which will just naturally alter this world. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. The first question is this. What are two to three things that make me unique? What are two to three things that make you unique? What a great question to ponder. God knit you together in your mother's womb. And so he made you unique and he made you special. And maybe you don't have that gift that you wish you did. We all want what we don't have. Like every drummer wants to be a lead guitar player. Every lead guitar player wants to be a drummer and everybody wants to be a singer, right? <laughs> but God gives us all gifts. God makes us all unique. And I love that I'm unique. I love that I have certain gifts and certain talents. And sure, there's a lot of things that I don't do well. That doesn't mean that I don't have purpose. It just means that my purpose is actually fairly specific. And I love that. So what makes me unique? Now, some things that make me unique, because this isn't really what you're doing. This is who you are. And I trace it way back to when I was growing up. The first two things that I wanted to be were a priest and a Native American. The Native American represented adventure and excitement. It also represented the underdog because my grandfather used to always watch old westerns and the Native Americans would never win. And I always wanted them to. 
And then the other thing that I wanted to be when I grew up was a priest. And that represented spirituality. That re- represented leadership and in the church. And I was really always drawn to, to those two things. Now, I take those two things and I think those things make me unique. It's unique that I have this deep connection and I always have for as long as I can remember this deep connection to wanting to lead people in spiritual ways. I don't remember a time when I didn't want to do that. And that's what the priest represented because I grew up Catholic. So that was my reference point. And then the native American, like I said, that's adventure. I'm always a person that loves doing things in unique ways. I never like to do conventional things. Conventional things are great. Sometimes I wish I liked to do conventional things because so many times that seems so much easier. But I I never see things through a conventional lens. I'm always looking through an adventurous lens, a different way of doing things. And that makes me super unique. I find that there's not a lot of people like that in the world. So that's what makes me unique. What makes you unique? You might even want to stop this podcast right now and just jot a few things down. The second question is, how do you like to express your unique characteristics? Now, there's that common phrase in our culture, you be you. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but you being you has to be you in a certain way to make a difference in this world. Just being unique and not doing anything with that uniqueness isn't going to make much of a difference in this world. And it's certainly not going to make you feel like you have any value to bring into this world. If I just sat in my uniqueness, I think I would just feel like an outcast. Like I'm this unique person that's not like a lot of other people. So I guess I'm not going to have many friends and I'll just uh, be a hermit. (laughs) Sometimes that sounds great. But honestly, how do you like to express your unique characteristics? Now, for me, one of the primary ways that I like to express my uniqueness is I like to stand up in front of people. And I like to challenge and encourage and push them towards greatness. And that's how I like to express myself more than anything. I also like using music to express those unique characters about me. And I suppose on top of that, I like to find unique ways to be my unique self. (laughs) So those are our ways that I do it. I love to use my unique characteristics in those ways. And most of them have to do with being in front of people. And that's that even in of of itself, that is unique because so few people like to do that, especially in the area of public speaking. But I love to do that. So I express my unique qualities more often than not by speaking in front of people and by leading people. And I love doing that. And it fulfills me more than just about anything in this world. The third question to ask yourself when you're trying to figure out how who you are matters in this world is ask yourself, what does heaven on earth look like? So in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is instructing us how we should pray. He says, this then is how you should pray. And at one part, he says, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so to me, that means that Jesus is calling us, God is calling us to bring heaven to earth. And we can do that in so many ways. But in order to do that, we have to have a picture in our mind of what 
that looks like. Again, I'll just share what it looks like to me. To me, it looks like a place where everybody cares for one another, where we put others' needs above our own. And it's also a place where everybody has voice and everybody has value. So that's what heaven on earth looks like to me, but put it in your words. What does it look like to you? And then the final thing to do is to put all three of those things together. What makes you unique, how you like to express that, and what does heaven on earth look like? So I would say this, I express my heart to lead people towards issues of faith and to stand up for the underdog by speaking to groups of people and challenging and encouraging them. And as I do that, I challenge them and I encourage them to do things that give everyone a voice and to be kind and put other people's needs above their own. So that's my purpose. That's what I feel like I'm here for. So I feel God created me. I don't know why God gave me the abilities that he gave me. I don't know why God gave me the desires that he gave me. That's an unfolding story. But he chose me to do the things that he's gifted me to do. And he's chose me to express the things that he's put in my heart. And because he's put these things in me, these unique characteristics and these unique abilities, I believe that I have value in this world. Again, not because I'm great in and of myself, but because I was created with greatness by God. God doesn't create anything that isn't amazing. Everything that God has created in this world is epic, including you and including me. So because God created us and he calls us his choice possession, you better believe you have something to offer and you better believe you have some value. So don't buy in to the lie that this culture, that sometimes our religion and sometimes your past wants to tell you that you don't have anything to offer, that you're not good enough. There have been a few people throughout my life that have been such a strong voice telling me that I can be who I've created to be and that I have something that matters to this world. I had a teacher when I was a junior in high school who took me aside after class and said, you're a great public speaker, you should do something with that. I had people throughout my life say, you've got something special, you should do something with that. I've had parents who encouraged me every crazy idea I had, they were behind me. I've got a wife who's my biggest cheerleader and I'm her biggest cheerleader. But some people in this world don't have that type of encouragement. So let me stand in that gap and be your encouragement today. You are good enough. You do matter. You are a child of God and that is good enough. He has made you so he has a plan for you. And if you do the work to figure out what that is, you're going to make a difference in this world. It may be a difference in one person's life. It may be a difference in a million people's life. But we all are influencers in this world. And if you influence one person, well, they might influence one person. Or they might influence five people. And then it might start a chain reaction that just lights this world on fire. You have no idea. You have no idea what you're capable of doing. Believe that you're good enough. Because you are. Believe that you have something of value for this world. Believe that you can make a difference, not by copying everybody else, but by being your own unique self. You're good enough because God says you're good enough. And don't believe any other 
lie. If you're trying to live life with balance and with margins, you need to take some time to relax. One of the best ways that I like to relax is on my front porch with my favorite beverage from Infinity Beverages. You can order right online at infinitybeverages.com and they will deliver right to your door. If you happen to be in the Eau Claire area, stop by their tasting room and get a tour with master winemaker, Matthew Rick. That's infinitybeverages.com. Proud sponsors of Jesus Never Ran and of Dreamers Everywhere. As always, if you need a little help getting from where you are to where you want to be, join the Walking Club at www.jesusneverran.com. The Walking Club is a monthly video series that will help those dreams in your heart become a reality. 